Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Before we start today's show, a quick thank you to our sponsors, House of Merkins your one-stop shop for intimate toupees. Visit http colon forward slash forward slash www.houseofmerkins.com today. Hello pod people and welcome back to another episode of Classic Ads from Simpler Times, where this week I'm afraid you're going to have to indulge us in another BBH, John Hegarty fan club swoon type thing. We decided to give BBH a swerve until recent events made a review of this ad pertinent, so put away the wobbly lips and let's jog on, shall we? Buy a ticket to this week's fun bus and you'll be part of the discussion about what Levi's want in their ads, where we discover that unsurprisingly it's America and arse shots in that order. Tones mines a rich vein of personal experience to talk about casting bum doubles before revealing a hitherto undiscovered ability to be discreet. There's a bit of chit-chat about rodent eating as a PR strategy. So, join myself, Steve Cook, and award-winning advertising creative and TV commercial director Tony Williams as we toddle off to 1985, where Tony's watching Grange Hill, desperately trying to make sure he doesn't catch girl germs and BMXing with his mates, whilst I'm discovering fashion and loose underwear in between hangovers. More importantly, Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher are installing nuclear weapons in Berkshire, and this forces the agency of the decade to hire a pretty boy, take him back to the 1960s, and then force him to act in a softcore porn movie for teenage girls. In the process, creating an ad so successful that the client demands that it's taken off air. Have a listen as we review the only ad ever to feature as talent, a man who turned down Kate Moss for that bird that worked with Terry Christian on The Word. And remember, if you're ever cooking alphabetti spaghetti, never leave it unattended. That could spell disaster. A bit of a shame that the Chinese rocket didn't land anywhere. No people going, oh, the humanity! How rude is that, though? Don't you think it's a bit rude? What? 
Yeah, you know, the Chinese launch a rocket and they don't have the capability to actually, you know, bring it back. And they're like, oh, no, don't worry, it'll only land in the Philippines. No, no, what you be fine, fine, huh? They probably wanted to land in Taiwan. 1985. Where were you in 1985? The year was 1985. How old was I? 1985, I was uh, 13. I was, where was I? I was right inside um, the, the den at the top of the road, the BMX, I was going down the BMX tracks. <gasps> I was um, listening to Adamant. I was on my roller skates with four wheels, orange wheels, with a, a, a vest, a grey from the army, Navy store, a green mesh vest and a Walkman, which wasn't a real Walkman. It was like an Awai, whatever, you know, fakey brand with um, orange sponge headband on my roller skates thinking I was the Doug's Bullocks going down over the cracks and, you know, English pavement on my roller skates thinking I was in Footloose. Um, it was a year <laughs> after we went to London on a school trip and Neil Kimber. Only you could aspire to be in the movie Footloose. It's the fucking know, best movie but, ever. And Neil Kimber got done for shoplifting in Harrods. Nicked a pencil. Not happy. Really? Yeah. So I remember that walk back on the walk of shame back onto the bus. What's the rigmarole if you get caught shopping in Harrods? Did you get stopped at the door? Or did, uh, I don't know. But well, the, um, the teacher disappeared for a while and, and came back and everyone said, Oh, you chemist been busting nicking stuff. 1985, Britain and France announced plans to build the Channel Tunnel. Uh, we will uh, have a tunnel, uh, probably from Athed. I should say, actually, a welcome back to classic ads from simpler times. Why? To both our listeners. Um, I was going to try and work in a gag about the French end of the Channel Tunnel. Oh, sorry, going, did I... Going um, backwards or something. I was, I'd say that's as far as I got. Here's the key piece of information that you need to know from 1985. I'll ask you a question first. What is the best headline ever written for the Sun newspaper? Oh, God. Um... Take your pick. Um, I don't know. The Sun newspaper alleged in 1985 that Freddie Starr ate, ate a hamster. Ate a hamster. <laughs> Jerome! Yeah. Did he not? Tickets for his tour have been selling quite slowly. And his PR agent was... Do you remember Max Clifford? I do. So his PR <laughs> agent was Max Clifford. And Max... Clifford came up with this idea that they would say that Freddie Starr ate hamster. Do you know Max Clifford was also the agent of? No, no, no. Was he? <laughs> was he was, he really? I think he was at the base of yew tree shaking uh, it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so apparently after this uh, this um, article, Freddie Starr ate my hamster, ran in the sun, the publicity led them, they had to add another 12 dates to Freddie Starr's tour and it generated an additional £1 million worth of revenue. So it was all just a bunch Freddie, of nonsense. It was actually a guinea pig. A load of rubbish. This isn't quite as famous, but when Freddie Starr died, the Sun's headline was Freddie Starr joins his hamster. Oh. The highest audience of all time for a British television drama. Oh, don't. No, that's no, not. Was on, on Christmas Day of 1985. The episode of EastEnders. Oh, yeah. Where Dirty Den. Oh, yeah. Serves oh, the divorce. Oh, it's show. With Anita Baker. So, served the divorce papers on his wife, Angie. Anyone can fall in love. She sang the song, the lyrics. My sister was going out with a guy um, from that when it first started. It was, um, EastEnders? Yeah. It was um, Who was a it? Scottish guy called Ross. It was in early on. He was a doctor in it. Um, I think he got killed or something. But yeah, he used to come around, around oh, to the house. Oh, yeah. I think. Was he like the yuppie? Was he the resident oh, yuppie in the square? I think I remember. Yeah, watched it. it was Scottish, so he couldn't have been too posh. <laughs> The actor in question is Ross Davidson, who did indeed play nurse, not doctor, Andy O'Brien, as part of the original cast of EastEnders. Davidson had the distinction of being the first character to be killed off. Between him and Jennifer Love Hewitt, it would appear that the Williams family have a bit of form in the celebrity shagging department. So Dirty Den served divorce papers on Angie after discovering that she had previously feigned a terminal illness to try to stop him from leaving her. Oh, so it's just like real life, really, isn't it? Yeah. How many people do you think watched the telly? That episode? That episode? Single episode? I would say 17.9 million. 
30 million viewers. Well, no, sorry, that was, I was going to say twice, <laughs> doubled. But the, for the first half, and then any cup of tea. No, no cup of tea, it was BBC, wasn't it? 30 million people. The only thing that 30 million people will tune in to now is the football, isn't it, probably? Probably not at the same time. I think the... I should have looked it up. But, but there was a sound I did for you. We were talking about that. Yeah. Do you remember the song that Anita Baker sang on top of it? She put lyrics to the, to the theme tune. <laughs> Somebody once said that that, that I don't, was Susan Boyle falling down the fire stairs. This is a bit harsh, isn't it? 1985, new shows on the telly. Have I been saying 1986 all this time? No, you've been saying 1985. It's 1985. New shows on the TV, Lovejoy. Oh yeah, I like, like that. With like, um, what's in these little mates? It looked like a little black like, pixie. Yeah, it looked um, like um, like, it was like pixie, some not, kind of no. Yeah, pixie. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was good. I like Lovejoy. Uh, Casualty. I never watched it. Comes out hospitals. Uh, yes, Prime Minister. Nah, too intellectual. Your personal favourite, Boone. Ken Boone. All right, Kim. What you going to do? No, I'm going to go, only boy. Come on then. I'm going to leave the show anyway. I'm going to be like speaking to Postman Pat. Who's a fast person, Pat? You don't know him yet. Always make Bob. Uh, do you remember Beatles about? Beatles about? Oh, with a little hand. Oh. Hey, today, Cheryl's going to have her boyfriend, Mark, a real surprise. We put them in a restaurant. He doesn't know what's going on. Let's look. Oh, we got some chips. We said, no, oh, no, can we just go home and put it? No, it's going around. Whilst we got the back, I'm going to be at work when hidden in this tent. Look what's going to happen. Mark's going to go crazy. <laughs> and the truck backs up. There's no way he's going to figure out. Here they come. They're leaving. Oh, please, sissy, can we open them? Oh, so what's that? Oh, look, Mark, someone's blocked us in. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, no, they've blocked us in. Aren't you angry? No, not really. Not really. Hello, Mark. It's Beetle. Yes, that's right. It's Beetle's about. He was on um, uh, uh, the... the uh, 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 Ransom, isn't it? What's it called? What's he on? What's he on? Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's life. That's life, yeah. Feels like we're having a torrid time of it with the trivia in this one. Jeremy Beadle was the front man for a slew of TV shows, most famously Game for a Laugh, Beadle's About, and You've Been Framed. He also worked as a presenter for Late Night Radio with LBC, chaired a quiz show on Radio 4, wrote cartoons for the Daily Express, wrote a quiz every Saturday for the Independent newspaper, appeared occasionally in Dictionary Corner on Countdown, and was a ringmaster for Jerry Cottle's Circus. What he didn't do was appear in That's Life. Beatles about a bit different to the one that I was reading about. In um, Apparently they have a show in Palestine, which is on the same principle, but they're being sued by a famous a celebrity who, as part of the show... They subjected him to a fake kidnapping, and then took him to oh. took him to an area of wasteland, somewhere, somewhere in Gaza. Oh. Made him kneel and put a blindfold <laughs> on him. That's Middle Eastern humour for you. They pretended that they were about to execute him. The poor bloke wet himself with fear, and then and it was they, Action Man. And then they take the thing off and surprise, kind of get, surprise, surprise, surprise. Awesome. Anyway, so you've got Lovejoy Casualty, Yes Prime Minister Boom and Beatles about. They were all new. But you've also well, like you could too. have also been watching Howard's Way. Do you remember Howard's oh, Way? Oh yes, the Isle of Wight, the rich people, yep. the grey hair, Howard's Way. Bob's full house. Bob. <laughs> That's all I know about Bob. Monk House. Brookside. And then fucking watch that. Hey. Don't speak no uh, blockbusters. I'll have a pee, please, Bob. I'll have an E, please, Bob. <laughs> Gold Rush. Highway. Highway. Is that lunchtime? Highway was 
from my memory, it was Scottish was television a, or something. No, it was a nightmare. It was Sunday evening at half past six. Oh, it wasn't um, Harry Seacombe. Harry Seacombe, that's right. Yeah, yeah. All thing now. And basically, yeah. you knew the weekend was I know. was ending. Yeah, shit's been. It was grinding to a halt. Fucking Shaftesbury Church somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And Harry Seacombe's wandering around like a big tub of lard, yeah. singing something with a Welsh accent, really annoying. That's right. Yeah. And you knew that you had to go back to school or work the next that's day. Right. Really gave you the shit. That's like songs of praise. But it was his break-off. It's a spin-off. Like, Highway Harry. It's like Songs of Praise, but, but with ad- <laughs> additional charisma. Yeah. Because well, it was just in, in a big church. Like, lots, of, lots of people here. It sounded like, good, I'm a bit fascinated. <laughs> Brilliant idea. Put me on the screen. Talking about how the weekend ended badly with Harry Seacombe, it always began well with the tube on Friday oh, night. Oh, was that Jules that? Holland? Yeah. I never watched it. It was a bit too old for me. Oh, of course. I didn't, I didn't really like Jill's. Oh, he got me in the wing. I was the perfect, I watch James Wales, I was the perfect taste for that. Go out and get hammered on a Friday night and come back and watch the tube. Is that what we got that That guy was like, really squeaking out the voice. Oh, what was he Mark. called? Terry. Terry. We'll have a listener right into that. So you could watch the tube. Hello, hello was on. Hello, hello. I should only see this once. Wait, this TV show is crap. Did you listen to last week's episode? Not yet, no. Okay. Sorry. Why? Because there's a massive reference to Alolo in last week. Is there? Episode. Yes. To the Kit Kat. Yeah. And we both said, we ought to know that bloke. Yeah. And we both went, yeah, no. And it turns out that it's Captain Alberto Bertarelli from Alolo. Of course it is. Anyway, so the tube, Alolo, Bergerac. Remember Bergerac? Um, John Nettles. Yep. I met John Nettles. Terry and June. Where were the ball? Terry and June. When did you meet John Nettles? Sorry. He, he gave um, some motocross trophies uh, out one year. So when you say met him, well, yeah, I, I, he was on a like in a function. It's like you didn't go for a beer and have a yarn. You, Not what I was like. Basically, it gave you a plastic. Twelve. It gave you a plastic cup. He gave me about. I was going to say six inches of cord. No, but it's like a big, no, big, no, big, big gold trophy. Like it was that. John Nettles, not Jimmy Savile. No, yeah, I don't know. Stung like a nettle, but yeah, it was yeah. Bergerac. Bergerac's good. Do do do. No, that's uh, Sweeney. Terry and June. Oh, yeah, I like them. Grain chill. Oh wow! Bow 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 bow. Zamo is chasing the dragon. Roland. That would have been right. Oh, Mark, slap bang in your... So if you were 13... Yeah, it was essentially a soap opera for teenagers. Really, Chill. Roland, a big chumpster. And the guy, Mark, actually, out of that, was the one that went to Orchill in EastEnders, wasn't he? That's what he ever used to say, Orchill. Grain Chill, That's Life was still on, which you mentioned earlier. Chopsworth. Last of the Summer Wine was on. Nora Batty. Rainbow. Up above the trees and houses, rainbows climbing high. Up above the and paint the whole world with a rainbow. I'm like, Jeffrey, are you playing with your twanger? Oh no. Jeffrey, they're playing with their twanger. Oh no. <laughs> the two Ronnies. Goes on. Do you remember that? Fork. Yeah. Fork handles. Uh, yeah, you want fork handles? Five, what's the other you fork handles? Five, yeah, it was very good. But I found it, yeah, it was a bit, I never really got into them. 13, I'm not surprised really. Mr. and Mrs. was on, you wouldn't have watched Mr. that. Mr. and Mrs. Do, do, yeah, do, it's shot in Birmingham, yeah. Love one another. Yeah, it's brilliant. So it's like, okay, Jeff's gone. He's in the listen to the music, listen to the music. Can you hear us, Jeff? So we asked Jeff the last time, where you both had snacks. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. He goes, go on, say it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, oh, no, no, where was he? Where was he? Like, All right, yes. Right. <laughs> That's right, she says kitchen. It was in the kitchen. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And he says, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, babies. Uh, Jack and Ori was on. Jack and Ori, tell a story. Jack and Ori. There was something like that. Random celebrities reading books. 
for children. Uh, you were probably had no interest at all in the old grey whistle test. The old grey whistle test was on BBC Two. It was like it was the music program before the tube. Yeah, that was well intellectual. It was. But Whis- so whispering Bob Harris. Who's whispering Bob Harris? He was the presenter. Black and white. Finally, in 1985, you could still watch Louis Theroux's favourite television program. Hello, I'm Louis Theroux. Which was. Oh, God, I don't know. Jim will fix it. <gasps> of course it was. Yeah. Did you remember the Christmas mega mix? Jim will fix it. Jack and Ori. Now I'm going to come sit on my pants. I'm a dummy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Dear. Okie dokie. Today's advert that we're going to look at is for Levi's. We've already done the Levi's advert, so mm-hmm. typically we would have left this alone, except that the star of this commercial died recently. He did. Who was he, Tones? Nick Kamen. Nick Kamen. If you don't know his name, you would definitely know his arse and his face. One of the best-looking blokes in the world, probably. I didn't realise what a phenomenon Nick Kamen was yeah. after this advert. He was kind of semi... He was kind of round and about as a model, wasn't he? was he? a model, yeah. He was I mean, a model yeah. before Take the ad. Them, yeah. But after the ad, this guy, what a life he well, had. Do you want to take us through the ad? Shall I, well, shall I tell you that the ad? So we're doing the we're doing today's episode as not not kind of a tribute, but because it's relevant that poor old Nick Nick came and died of bone cancer very recently, only fifty nine years of age. Really nice guy, apparently. Mm. The ad is iconic in my opinion. Mm. The it did win a gold lion at Cannes, so it should nineteen eighty six, and it's my favourite agency of all time, BBH again. The art director on the job was John Hegarty. Is that right? Yeah, he's a writer, was he not? Um, he was the art, he's quoted as the art director on this job. I think they can do it all. Then they've got a, the copywriter as a lady called Barbara Noakes, who is actually very very famous. Sounds like his babysitter. Barbara Noakes broke a lot of glass ceilings in the advertising world. Did she? She came up with the line "Vorsprung durch." Technique, technique for Audi. Mm. Apparently, she came up with the line after visiting an Audi factory and seeing an old workshop, and it was, uh, there was a sign above the door. Anyway, so John Hegarty oh, and Barbara, no, Barbara Noakes, uh, the account director, because we never quote the suit because they never get um, a look in, was a guy called Tim Lindsay. Mm. And the director was, I've never heard of him, a guy called Roger Lyons. Roger Lyons. Mm. Hmm. Who died at the age of 41 after falling off a cliff whilst trying to create the perfect shot in a film. Not for a milk trade, was it? That's dedication for you. What was the film? I don't know. Well, not really dedication. Well, it was going to... Didn't fall through to finish. Who did the post? Sorry, <laughs> love the tone. And the talent was Nick Cameron. Nick Cameron, yeah. So that ad, it was everybody knows it, because it was a bit racy, wasn't it? And it was probably, to be honest, around the same sort of time, and this might be a sweeping statement, but it's true, boxer shorts. And this is a little, little bit of a private aside for the director's cut. My mum was with my friend Aid Herbert. My mum said, hey, I've got you these. And she lifted up his boxer shorts. They had all holly berries all over. So I'm wearing them. So, you know, I don't know why, because you're not. But that's the first pair of boxer shorts. And from then on, I've been a free man. And so he was wearing those, like the US, like white boxes, right? So yes. it was only, yeah. it was probably equivalent of a pair of soccer shorts, really. But it's just the fact the old ladies and he was, de- you know, derobing to wash his clothes out. He sat down with the newspaper. So originally they wanted him to do it in a pair of jockey shorts, Ooh. Um, a pair, essentially a pair of Y-fronts. 
Yeah. And the Advertising Standards Authority went, oh, you're not putting that package on TV. No. So they had to go, uh, they put him in, in uh, boxer shorts. Yeah. And then Levi's developed a line of boxer shorts mm. after the commercial mm. because boxer shorts became so okay. popular. And they sold a million pairs of boxer shorts in 12 wow. months after wow. after um, showing the ad. And I can remember vividly buying my first pair of boxer really? shorts after seeing What did they have on the Donald Duck? Were they, were they, no, they, no, were, they, they were from Marks and Spencers. They were just bog standard, you know, plain colours. Mm. And they have messed it all up now with the like, semi-brief boxes. The cotton boxes, nothing feels like it. I mean, see, I, as I've got older, I do prefer a bit of structure. But it's supposed to be what well, you need it, don't you, really? Like a splint. <laughs> Lollipop stick and some sellotape. <laughs> you should borrow Freddy Stars. All right. So it's um so it's supposed to be America anyway, so we need to look American, yeah. right? Yeah. And so and do you remember the song? Hang on, so Oh sorry. Let me get I'll give you a bit more. I, I thought I wanted to tell you this about this gave you an indication of how Nick Kamen's career mm. took off. Bit, a bit of um, trivia about the casting. Do you remember a woman called Sarah Dukas? She was at Storm Talent Agency. She was quite famous. In Storm a, was kind of, there. Jodie, um, what, uh, what was her name? Not so, Sarah Foster. Yeah. So she sent Nick Kamen for the casting for the job and she became the woman who would discover Kate Moss. Kate Moss, that's what I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah. And, but he got the job on the condition that he lost weight. Uh-huh. So apparently they thought he was a bit chubs. Really? Yeah. So after he did the commercial... Apparently, he was Kate Moss's unrequited crush. There's a quote on the internet that says, this is Kate Moss. I wanted to marry him for years, she said, but he's always been with that fucking cow, what's her name? (laughs) That's about right. What's her name was... Um, Amanda Decadene uh, who was off the word that was the word. one I was thinking about tonight with Terry Richardson Christian Terry Christian Terry Christian there you go and my end of my beginning we've gone all the way around it all, came, all that's it satisfying all isn't it, it? Amanda Decadene yeah. I thought it was a lovely I thought it was a lovely quote I wanted to marry him for years but he's always been with that fucking cow what's her name so I'll go with the bloke the, the junkie from Bojangles what yeah, it's called yeah. oh, the Libertines who's now, now a big ball of fat is he yeah anyway um, what's her name Amanda Decadene. Amanda she was, Decadene. Yeah, she was, she was, she was, she was gorgeous. She was a bit, she was, um, she was, um, what would they call today? Um, a, a, a thick bone girl, isn't she? Mm, don't remember that. I just, I, remember, I have to remember her being very tall and skinny, but also a bit posh. Yeah, like bleached hair. Yeah, it's a bit like, um, yeah, bleached blonde hair. Yeah. yeah. I think my friend Dane. I actually did a quick look up on the uh, interweb and Amanda She's still to looks very, 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 Okay, easy target. Do you want that lollipop stick? There you go. Um, Nick came and so they did, they made two ads. They made two ads simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Can you remember the other one? The other one was bath. Good on you. Shrink to fit. Boy in the bath. Yeah, yeah. shrink to fit. Exactly. I, that was um, that was the ad that really turned me onto Motown. Right. So I remember walking up to Woolworths. Uh, to link up his long walk, we didn't even think about oh, those are the days. Probably forty-five minute walk. Yeah, you met your mate, met your mate, you arranged to meet him at ten thirty. You were there at ten thirty. You know, no mobile phones. Can't make it late. All right. And I went to Woolies and I bought this beautiful twelve-inch vinyl, and it had um, just a picture of the guy over overhead shot of him in the bath with his jeans on. Right. And it was Sam Cooke. What a wonderful world. Don't know much about history. <laughs> Don't know much about biology. <laughs> 
Don't know much about the French I took. Don't know much about But I do know that I love you. No, no, I do know one and one is two. And what a wonderful world. Yeah. And I know that he wrote that for his teenage sweetheart at school. Did he really? Yes. It's been it's been covered by Art Garfunkel and all these different people. That's a lot of people. So Original, so the Boy in the Bath advert, you're right, featured the track Wonderful by Sam Cooke. Yeah. Nick Cayman was originally cast as the Boy in the Bath. Is that right? Yeah. Because he was and, yeah. They shot the ads virtually back to back, and the uh, Mr. Lyons, Roger Lyons, mm. directed them both. Really? And Roger Lyons and John Hegarty had an argument because John Hegarty thought that Nick Cayman would be better in the, um, no. in the laundrette ad. Uh, Nick, uh, sorry, yeah. John Hegarty. Of course, he did, yeah. yeah. Roger Lyons thought that um, he should stay in the boy in the bath ad. They had no. a blazing row, and John Hegarty basically told him who was right in his check, and the, and so Nick came and was in the boy in the bath. No, it wasn't the boy in the bath. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it wasn't, so the, the thing yeah. is about the, the shot in the bath. It's such an unusual visual. Yeah. It's just about what's happening. So if you had Pretty Boy in there as well, it'd be too much. But it's the look that Nick Cannon gives in the laundrette over the top of the machines. I mean, it's a really incredibly good looking look. The, the guy in the boy in the bath ad is actually a very, very handsome young man. But he's, he's very... But he's, he's a soldier. He's, 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 he's forgettable. He's, he's, yes, he's not, he doesn't yeah. have Nick Cayman's that look that Nick Cayman had. He looks Cayman like homegrown. But that's what I mean. If you had too much, it just becomes a, a weird film then. Like right. someone's in the bath wearing jeans and, you know... Let me give me a bit more. I'll give you the rest of my trivia about the ad and then I'm, I'm going to ask you to take take us through it. So the music in Laundrette is Marvin Gaye. Heard, heard it through the grapevine. through the grapevine. But they couldn't afford the license fee for the Marvin Gaye version. Mm. So it's done by a bunch of session musicians. Got the, yeah, because I think at the end there's only a bit of a... Because there's not the full lyrics in there. No. So it's done by a, yeah. a bunch of... Uh, but then Marvin Gaye did actually re-release it and it got to number eight in the UK top ten. It went to... Because um, the highest it got before... Uh, uh, don't quote me, but something like it was 27th in the UK. The interesting but, thing about that song, though, is that originally it was sung by Gladys Knight and the Pips, and it didn't actually do that well. It didn't do that well until he released it, and then it did quite well. And then they re-released it for this one. It's made, you know, it's, but I know um, that labels were reintroducing the music because they weren't that successful the first time around. I think that one or the other song went to number two in the UK charts, mm-hmm. and it actually um, rejuvenated the whole um, industry. The, um, uh, I mean, B- BBH basically were the first, from what I can understand, were the first agency to do the crossover between the music and the ad. And apparently, they had seven ads in the top, seven singles in the top ten mm. from Levi Levi's ads over mm. a period of four years. So, and they were de- deliberately choosing tracks that they yes, thought would have a crossover. But it, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you don't really think about it. I suppose before it was all about jingles and the ad and. Yeah, well, that's quite a decent song. But yeah, they really did. They um... look. I would be prepared to mount a case to say that um, I heard it through the grapevine is second only to the Shaken Vac song as the most <laughs> as the most famous song in advertising history. Oh, with a, like an MTV battle, Marvin Gaye versus what's the name? The, the <laughs> Jeffy Logan. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. It's time. You know it's time. It's sale time at House of Merkins, and the intimate toupee you've always wanted is now within your reach. Yes, bring the whole family down to House of Merkins for huge discounts on Australia's premier providers of intimate lampstand drugs and kitty carpets. We've dropped our dax, and you're the winner with massive discounts on our 1970s homage, the full Kate Bush, rock-bottom prices on the best-selling Twinkle Twinkle in a range of realistic colours, and of course, 
course, we're serving up huge savings on the ever-popular Minge 2 with state-of-the-art flesh-coloured elastic supports and full Gore-Tex lining. We know it's a bold statement, but you really can't get better than House of Merkins, best-selling range of intimate toupees. So if it's premium soft furnishings you're after, find us online at http colon forward slash forward slash www.houseofmerkins forward slash intimate toupees forward slash going down dot htm or call House of Merkins today on 1-800-646-437. House of Merkins, because your map of Tassie deserves the best. Uh, try, try and control yourself when I tell you that the ad came in at number six in Channel 4's list oh. of the top 100 greatest ads ever. But the soundtrack came in, I think, as 15th in Channel 4's. Really? Yes, because I looked at it just before. And the ad was a, a weird length as well. It's a 50-second ad. Is that weird or is that just me? 50 seconds, no, it is. Yeah, it's unusual. Very um, strange. For, perhaps it launched in cinema because it certainly didn't go on YouTube. It did, right, it did, go in, it did go on a short run on the TV. There was a bit of press work, but it was mostly in the Face magazine. Because the Face, I used to love that. So also, I, I, I can't remember now that Nick came and had in the laundrette. Does it show the little red Levi's tab? So let's get on to that later on. Do you want to take us through the ad, please? Well, um, yeah, have you got it there? I mean, I, I don't want it to be a... Uh, like, and it's something else than how I remember. I just remember him going into... Okay. Uh, do, you want, do you want me to play it for you? Would you mind? Just to, uh, let's do it. Paul's recording now. Fixing in post. Here we are, fixing it in post. Have a listen and then drop on over to the YouTube channel for a watch. The link's in the usual place. into a, a US laundrette. We know it's America because there's a US um, soldier outside. It's, it's graded beautifully. It's warm. It's like the smoke. It's hazy. There's women in there with the the, the real iconic um, sort of 60s glasses, you know, the, the wacky ones, sunglasses and the beehives. He chooses his uh, his machine. Doesn't seem going to get coins anywhere. <laughs> and um, he starts to, he takes the magazine out of his back pocket when we see a little Levi's tab. Um, a kid sticks his head over the back some bubblegum um, and then another one who's a twin and the mum dra- dra- drags him off and um, he proceeds to undress and pops his clothes into the laundry into the um, washing machine which is the only time you ever use the word pop pop your clothes on site I believe and then uh, he grabs his magazine and sits down but the reactions of people around are really really good there's an old lady eating a sandwich and she sort of you know her jaw drops there's a couple of giggling teenagers or you know 20 somethings but everyone's out a bit of a peak there's a quite provocative shots actually I don't know whether you'd get away with it now like the kid's head and his crotch suddenly moves into frame the buttons, it shows the button fly. It shows the uh, the Levi's tab of quality on the back, you know, the leather label. It shows the red tab. It shows all the key points in there. Um, and the rocks, of course. There's a bag of rocks loaded in. So it's got all the um, things and, and a lot of detail at the end. Let's cut to the chase here. Mm. This is softcore porn for teenage girls, isn't it? Wow, yeah, probably. And teenage boys, maybe. So, the, I mean, looking at it, when I look back at it, the first thing that came to mind was that there are a lot of scenes or structured scenes you would associate with women's lingerie advertising. 
So the classic one is the the one where he undoes the buttons on the yeah. on the jeans, mm. but then also there's the one where he takes the belt off, which is a yeah. close of his, of his arms. He whops his twins. Yeah, and he and the boy has um, he's got the body for it, hasn't he? And he's got the face as well. Mm. He's a good looking, very good looking, he's almost a good looking lad, suspiciously good looking. Anecdotally, teenage girls were going to the movies just in the hope of seeing the ad. Really? Yeah. Well, days before internet, eh? we had it hard. And then, I don't know if you, you probably, maybe you would remember it or not, but there was a massive trend then for girls to wear men's 501s. Is that right? And so you would get, and they'd cinch them in tight and mm. the thingy in the, and it wasn't really form-fitting. Yeah. And that was apparently the genesis of the that idea of, bo- you know, boyfriend jeans for girls? So boyfriend jeans are a big thing. Right. For girls. So like the boyfriend shirt. Yeah, right. Yeah, so but that's apparently where it came from. Um, but I think you know it's pretty much it's about as close to porn as you can get for a teenage. Oh, I mean, maybe, a teenage yeah. girl on you know TV on a Friday night because it shows nothing really. It's a beautifully shot, isn't it? Oh god, yeah. Basically, they're trying to create a kind of mythical America, aren't they? Fifties well, and sixties no, mythical America. No, I mean, I, th- I think that is America. I mean, if you, you know, talked about Britain in the twenties, we Charlton and Art Deco, but it's America. And so they're always tying back to that. I can't remember, you know, what the seven pillars are of authenticity, originality that are, of, of the Levi's brand right now. But America is obviously one of them. So in all the ads I shot, it always has an American reference somewhere, somehow. It's a very strange situation, the product, isn't it? Because in America, that product has always been positioned as a, not, not cheap, but it's a working man's work clothes. Yeah. So they're not expensive, they're not designer. And then you go to the UK and they deliberately built a brand around the fashionability. Well, they can. I mean, Levi Strauss invented denim, basically, yeah. or used denim for the yeah. first time with all the rivets. And I know that, that that's the painted um, rivet thing. Um they're, but there's so many different cuts. I mean, there are the jeans that, you know, that went from being a mechanic wearing dungarees to the ones your dad would wear. Mm. And as soon as your dad started wearing them, I know there was a big issue when um, I think it was Bush was seen walking out of the White House wearing a pair and suddenly it sells them <laughs> because they're an old man. Jeremy jeans. Clarkson was off the Well, they had the boot cuts. So, so yeah, all the different cuts. In the, but in, um, in the US, there's also the Dockers brand, which is Levi's, which is huge. Yep. So they're basically, I think... Every American man owns a pair of Dockers chinos, you know? Yeah. So it's huge. But, they, you know, it is a bit more creative, I think, in um, in Europe. It's the same. There's a lot of den, you know, denim brands like that. Though. They are more sort of edgy and, and sort of creative and a bit more lifestyle in the US. But it's creating that link back to authenticity. Because, you know, there's brands like Calvin Klein, for example, you know, jeans. At one point, they were sort of seen as quite high-end fashionable jeans. But then they, they screwed themselves because they sold the license. And then you'd see them for, you know, 10 quid in the bargain basement in, in Debenhams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which yeah. Levi's obviously never done. Yeah. Um, yeah. John Hegarty is quoted as saying that, when they took the brief from Levi's, Levi's were very, very keen to keep the creative work centred around that idea of America. Yeah, absolutely. And apparently BBH came up with the idea of using that kind of 50s, 60s pastiche because at the time, 1985, America, the president was Ronald Reagan. Oh, God, yeah. He was yeah, cozying up to Margaret Thatcher. Mm. They were yeah. where were positioning um, cruise missiles at Greenham Common. Yeah. Women were throwing in their jobs and leaving their husbands to go and spit American soldiers who were installing nuclear weapons. So they came up with the laundrette and then they came up with the Cayman, Nick Cayman mm. character, who's that kind of James... Is James, James, whatever, James he's always going to be Dean, the James Dean type James, character. Yeah, yeah. Jim, James, James Dean. Dean James Dean and Elvis had a baby. <laughs> It'd be Nick Cayman. Thank you very much. Slow down, right? Um, <laughs> he would be... Um, <laughs> it would, uh, yeah, it would be Nick Cayman, wouldn't it? Yeah. 
And Nick and uh, Nick sat in the laundry, and he's kind of apart, isn't he, from everybody else? He's apart from the dreary, the dreary lives yeah, I mean, and the yeah. dreary world of all those poor people in the laundry who can only gorp. It's a little too thrilled, but it makes it every day too. We're back to cool, aren't we? Mm. How do you build cool into a brown tones? Don't think we should use the word cool, mate. Yeah, no, but if you like, okay, so what's the what word would you use if it's not cool? Um, relevant, bra. Um, <laughs> in it, in it, yeah. Like, we're wicked in it, like fun. Engaging. Um, I'm just thinking about that sketch that um, Saturday Night Live got hammered for with Elon Musk about being a bunch of older people trying to do millennial work for Gen Zs. And it was apparently voted the worst skit ever. It's exactly what I always say about an ad that you can tell when older people have done it. If it's for kids, it's always got graffiti and a skateboard in. But it's, it was just engaging, I suppose. But interestingly enough, not that you'd ever, ever do it in laundry, you could, but the in the bath, shrink to fit. That's what they, I think, used to do at some point. I mean, I'm sure you've probably had friends or relatives or whatever around that time trying to squeeze into their tight jeans, right? Mm. But this is obviously the other way around. When I lived in Singapore, it's so desperate sometimes to wear long sleeves. But I used to put my jeans in the fridge in the morning. If you put them in the night before, they'd be soggy, but damp. Put them in there, like when you got just for like for 15 minutes an hour, and then you put them on and were super cold. I think they probably did that on the Levi's ad somewhere as well, right? But they're all based on sort of real, um, realistic and, and authentic things. Like um, I love the one, the um, Ring of Fire. Obviously, that we know all the cowboys are sitting like, boom, 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 and they're all sitting around the campfire having their beans, and suddenly one jumps back, and then it says, I think in 1896, Levi's removed the crotch rivet. <laughs> and it's like, and it just says Ring of Fire. But they're all based on, on truth. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting that you would debate the use of the word cool because I vividly remember this ad and the bath ad as the first time that I genuinely took notice of advertising. Oh, yeah, they are cool. Of course they are. I had never taken, I don't, or I don't remember taking any notice of advertising. Well, not that. That- so I was 23. So I was slap bang in the target market, 16 to really 16 yeah. to sub 28, sub 30. I was 23. And previous to the, previous to that, I remember having a conversation with my mom when I was about 15 to 16 about whether or not I could have a pair of Levi's. Because they were expensive, right? And, and she, wouldn't, that, she wouldn't let me Wrangler? have them because they were too expensive. Yeah, Wrangler or Pepe? Wrangler. I think I did end up with a pair of Brutus at one Brutus. stage. Pepe, who's got the key rings? Pepe. Pepe. I like Pepe. Well, the ones that weren't looked in the shop. I had a Pepe jacket. I oh, wanted, yeah. I wanted a Levi's jacket. Was a cartoon jacket. strip inside? Yeah, I wanted a Levi's jacket, yeah. but I couldn't afford it. So suddenly I was, I had enough money, and I remember going out and buying a pair of 501s. And getting arrested when you took them on the phone. And, and then I, rem- I do remember wearing them for quite a long time and then vowing never to buy another pair. Why? 501s, to me, have a really, a very characteristic cut and I just found them really uncomfortable. It's the cut and the, and the grade of denim as well. Yeah, but then, of really course, yeah, Jeremy Clarkson with the boot cut ruined it all. It's, there's not many ads that can change yet sort of things in your life. It really did. It really, me to me, it was, music, yeah. it was the first time that mm. I had really thought about what it was that I wore and why I wore it. And... And looking at that ad, it's really interesting because I would I would never have looked at an ad purporting to show a mythical 50s and 60s mm. and gone, oh, that's cool. But somehow it's incredibly cool. Mm. Incredibly cool. It's I would, a, you know, a, I would spiral, never, never become one of those guys that had a teddy teddy boy haircut or bought a, you know, a rat. Yeah, but they would show off, right? They'd come bouncing in. But the fact that he's yeah. so like casual about it and looks around as everyone say, like, Whoa, yeah. you know. I think that I think also that the, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of energy behind um, 
starting to get behind kind of youth fashion at that time. And I was probably lucky to be around and about at the, at the, at the time that that product was launched. You know what, like, can um, you tell me what the product is, by the way? Link shampoo and stuff, what's that? What was the product for the ad? It was a uh, uh, 501, wasn't it? Yeah. Or, yeah. But what, kind, what was it? Oh, I don't know. Stonewashed. Oh, stone, of course, because the stones are in the, yeah, in the so, washroom. Yeah. Which is interesting because I think part of the coolness for me was the idea that some people would take so jeans so seriously and also, you know, the one the guy in the bath. I had never done that. I'd never taken clothing that seriously. Mm. But people would take their clothing so seriously. Did, yeah. And I believe that people like Nick Cayman or or you know, American people would take pebbles to the lawn. Well, I don't know whether they actually did it, but obviously Levi's did. So it was really a way of showing how it was the manufacturing process. So, but yeah. I know people were, you know, getting in, yeah. in baths and lying on the back trying to you know, get to tight jeans, but the shrink to fit one, I don't know whether yeah. it literally worked. But. So I don't know whether people were stonewashing their jeans with pebbles mm. and then Levi's kind of went, oh, what we should do is do some that played yeah. or whether or not, you know, which which came first. It depends on how many stones you've got in there, what size they are, whether it looks like you, no, whether it looks like you come from, um, the, we heard it, Europe, the final countdown, or whether they just soften up. There's different ways of doing it and how long they go in there for. This advert worked, didn't it? It did. So Nick Cayman went on to have a hit single mid which he wrote with Madonna. 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 And um, it was called, what was it? You Break My Heart. Uh, each Time You Break My Heart. Each Time I, I can't, I wasn't interested in Nick. Each Time you, Yeah. I was interested I in girls who wore Levi's 501, yeah. I'm telling you then. Sales of, of Levi's 501s went up 800%. Wow. In the aftermath of that ad, Levi's had to take the ad off the air at one stage because they couldn't keep up with demand. That's amazing. That's that? happened a few times. And um, BBH obviously went on to do a whole range of these ads by 1987, so two years later. What other ones did they do in that in that line? So there's, um, there was there was something where they put in the um, fridge, wasn't there? I'm I, sure. I, I can't remember. But there was honest. the one you like uh, the swimming pools. Let's hear it for the boy. Yeah. Shot by Jonathan Glazier, and that's the same sort of thing, um, right? And then um, it was. Oh, Let's hear it for the boy. No, I'm mad. I'm mad about, about the, boy, the boy. Sorry, yeah. The song "Mad About the Boy" used in BBH's 1992 Levi's swimmer ad was written by Noel Coward in 1932 as a gay man's homage to Hollywood matinee idols. Dinah Washington recorded the song in 1952 and then again in 1961 with the second version featuring the Quincy Jones Orchestra. The song was re-released in 1992 and made the UK top 50. The ad itself was an homage to a 1962 Burt Lancaster movie. Puts my career in perspective. I once made an ad for a second-hand office furniture warehouse that went out of business three days after we aired the commercial. The client was a man so evil he had hair growing out of every bodily orifice. That whole thing was an homage as well to stupidity. I'm mad about the boy And I know it's stupid to be mad about the boy I'm so ashamed of it but must admit the sleepless nights I've had about the boy. Mm-hmm. On the silver screen, he melts my foolish heart in every single scene. Although I'm quite aware that here and there are traces. So, I mean, that's the same sort of 50s, you know. So by 1987, two years later, Levi's sales were 20 times what they were three years previously. 
And it all changed after um, when they did uh, Mr. Bombastic. Mr. Bombastic. Mr. Bombastic. And they hear the proclamation. I good. love that ad. That- this ad's a near certainty for the classic ads from Simpler Times Treatment at some time in the future. Shaggy, a claymation hunk getting his gear off, two pigeons shitting themselves, and an old bloke sitting on the toilet before the payoff end frame. Right up our street, genius, with added toilet gags. She call me Mr. Bombastic, very fantastic. Touch me on me box, she says I'm Mr. Row. Romantic, I'm fantastic. Touch me on me box, she says I'm Mr. Boom. Boom, I used to give me your lovin'. Y'all, your lovin' well, good. I want your lovin'. I get like your shoulder, I give you lovin'. Good, I want your lovin'. Y'all, your member, they would like to. When he, she goes down and on the um, flying fox and the lights go and it says shit hotel. <laughs> you notice that? And there's a and, and the bird does and a poo. And the pigeon does a yeah. poo. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and of course, then in uh, 1999, Nick Kamen was replaced by. Who was replaced by? Flying Eric. Oh yeah. 28 years BBH worked with Levi's. They're a good client. And then so. Levi's asked him the, to pitch. Well, you never know what's happening, you know. I mean, <laughs> no, maybe, maybe the, no, yeah, the sales went flat, different people. But yeah. they were, you know, the, the clients were almost as funny and characters. John Hegarty, as... I, know he's the, I know he's a creative, but he's such a fucking suit. So he's all over the internet. Levi's asked him to pitch after 28 years. So, yeah, it may have gone sale. Well, as you say, mm. lots of things happening in the background. And BBH declined to pitch. But, they don't pitch. But John Hegarty's quote was, um, what a fantastic relationship they had, and I'll never buy any jeans except Levi's. You couldn't ever. wear any other jeans at BBH. They'd send you home. If you wore a different brand in the office, they would send you home. You'd yeah. get, get bollocked. Well, yeah, so John bollocked. said he'd never buy another pair, another, another, any, another pair of jeans except Levi's. Right. Oh, good on him. But yeah, there's a, the BBH's policy not to pitch. Credits only. Never, the, never was credits. Serene, that was the original, wasn't it? That was their, their original know, thought. Just, Did they keep that through? It was great. So, I mean, there was big presentations, but I mean, so when you worked at BBH, you didn't, you never did creative pitches. No, fantastic. Did different work. I mean, it was just as you know, as hard as you like, but not for us. <clears throat> I guess it was better for us that it wasn't pitches. It was just at least you're presenting different work. You know, sure. Not just sort of random work. You know, it's going to get thrown away. But um, the Levi's I worked on was for <clears throat> Asia Pacific, which I think was a much bigger market than Europe for the work we did. So it didn't just run in, in Europe. It had to be um, particular Southeast Asia, Australia. Were, were they very particular about the way things were shot and the way the product was shot? Because um, it's kind of interesting in this ad, there's like a one and a half second product shot or a, effectively, I guess you'd call it the brand shot. They show the red tab. Yeah, it's a red they tab show, every, every ad. And they show the brand, the leather brand patch. When he takes that's the belt, uh, when he takes the belt off, that's um, the brand patch. No, I didn't. But <clears throat> every ad has to show the red tab because they own that red tab. Mm. An unnamed celebrity who was um, who'd been on holiday in Hawaii before we used to, and she couldn't fit in the jeans very well. So in the bum shot we were following, <laughs> she didn't look great. So we actually overnight. Did you have to find a bum? We went um, to a casting, and it was, it was like propaganda film was amazing. It was like every creative dream was just a row of girls facing the wall, and we were going number one, number two, which one? And to this day, that actress doesn't know it wasn't a bum in there. Oh, head. really? Mm. So yeah, always show the red tab. And funny enough, yeah, American sailors, um, soldiers, 
there's a they're in a photo and a phone booth and he's kissing. There's always the donuts, the cops. Yeah, it's a good. It was a good client, or it is a good client, probably someone who does the work now. I don't know, but they need sacking, don't they? Because Levi's, have, I mean, maybe not in the rest of the world, but in Australia, they've certainly gone the way that that same route that you were talking about with Calvin Klein. I mean, well, they, no, they, they don't they, license their. Um, I mean, they, but they have an outlet. They have an outlet shop down at the shopping centre. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but the thing is, they ridiculous. always they start to do canvas sneakers and like jackets oh, and t-shirts, but it's fine for jeans, you know. Um, but I say it's a much much bigger market in the US with dockers and everything. And jeans have become very well, it's pants. very very serious business now making jeans, isn't it? Yeah, you know the provenance of of um, the denim Japanese sell. Denim mm. apparently is the best and the, denim in this the world. Week. So it's, watch not, it's not the it's not like the old days where Nick got his gear off and sales went up eight hundred percent. Do you want to give it some scores on the doors? Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's going to be really difficult. Let's give us a score for the brand. Well, it, it was. It certainly wasn't um, Wrangler, and it definitely wasn't Pepe. It's Levi's. I mean, it's not only established a brand; it's established a whole category, didn't it? Really, it kind of. Um, it also, from a technical point of view, falls into that BBH thing where you don't. And it's weird to call it a BBH thing, but it didn't really happen before then, where you get kind of halfway through the ad and you're still not really sure what the product is the first time you see it. Because you're watching you're not almost really, a bit of entertainment, right? Exactly. So you don't watch a movie and go, oh, what's exactly. he going to do now? It's you like just a mini it. film, which is yeah. which was always Hegarty's thing, wasn't it? Yeah. It's like you're not going to you're not going to engage with it unless you're entertained first mm. and foremost. Absolutely. And the first time you see it, really, you don't you don't know what the brand is. Mm. You don't know what the it's product is. It looks is. like you just stepped into a movie. But by the time you get to the end, you know exactly what it is. I mean, right? that's another point. How many ads looked like they were thirty seconds from a film? Okay, five. Bing. Talent. Could anybody else oh. have done that? Oh, well, it's hard to say. Maybe one of the um, the Kemp brothers, but you know, I, I don't well, know. I mean, the Kemp, I, even the Kemp boys weren't as pretty. No, of course not. They? No, but um, I guess the question is. Could you have taken a celebrity and done it? So, you know, I don't know who the equivalent of Brad Pitt was, say, in 1986, but would Brad Pitt have well, made that? BBH, apparently, were the first people yeah. ever to cast Brad Pitt in anything. That's right, because he does it with no ego. You don't see him and think, oh, what a wanker, you know? It's yeah. like, it does, I think. So, I look, I don't know where he came from, or, but the point is, it's him, and that it couldn't change. Yeah. You know, it couldn't be anyone else now. It just look, look odd. So, talent, I reckon, is, is definitely worth a five, especially because everyone says he was such a nice bloke. Craft. That feel, that ad is beautifully shot, isn't it? It is. That could be a Scorsese movie. It could it is. be. There's a, there's a few things that feel a little bit contrived. You know, like the, the, I, don't, I don't want that kid to have a, a, a twin. It's like, oh, why would you have to put something like that in? You know, it's like quite believable to that point. It's like you a know, Bazooka the, Joe moment, though, isn't it? I, I think, but the bubblegum was great and stuff. And it's like, oh, why would you have to? And suddenly, I'm looking at the twin now, and like, so is he, right? Because he does a double take at them, and it's what it takes you out of the moment. I think that was the only thing that let it down, but. I think it's 4.9, and that's only because of the twin. But I love the fact that the mother's not interested, and she's sort of, you know, she's got, like, fag lips, and she like, hasn't washed yeah, her hair for... Yeah. And she's like, oh, stop it. So she's the only one that's not really interested in him, I think, yeah. But it would have been perfect without the twin, but there it's, you go. It's, it's interesting that one of the things about shooting an ad which is not contemporary, so this one, let's say it's shot in the mm. 60s, beautifully cinematic mm. in the way that it's executed. It doesn't really age, does it? When you, when you look at it now, no. it looks... Well, it's shot on film, like most of the... You know, yeah. it's, that's why it's all soft, so it hasn't gone through the generations of technology where you say, oh, look, that's HD, oh, look, that's XHD, yeah. oh, look, that's 4K, so it's... But you don't look at it and say, oh, oh, look at the shoulders, on, look at the shoulder no, pads, no. you know? The, I mean, the, look, except for the key things like, you know, the weird white sunglasses um, that that girl's got on, which, you know, says 50s or 60s American, right? Yeah. Yeah. 4.9. Uh, creative. What, creatively, what are you going to give that out of five? That's difficult, isn't it? I mean, 
after all of that, you go, okay, it's actually, you know, if you wrote it in... I'll tell you what, before you give me the score, let me tell you what I think the problem was. So John Hegarty was faced with this problem, wasn't he? Or BBH was faced with the problem where the client wanted to link it to America, but mm. they couldn't link it to contemporary America because of the Ronald Reagan cruise missiles, mm-hmm. Margaret Thatcher bullshit. So that was was a, a set of artificial parameters that they had to work with. So just pause that a Do you mind? Sorry. Okay. At this point, Tones goes off in search of 1985 and returns with a notebook that appears to be full of sketches of Jennifer Love Hewitt's arse. Oh, there you go. You'd love this. So uh, these are the notes that uh, you took uh, of, of your meeting with John Hegarty on when, sorry? Go through my diary and have a look. <laughs> Let's have a look. Then. Got my glasses on. Sorry, what's the relevance here? So, so I was trying, no, to, I was just I was trying to contextualise the brief a little bit. I know, sorry, and that's what I mean. I was just looking for my notes on Levi's because it had all the, the brand pillars. Sorry, yes, don't let me distract you. So. so in retrospect, it seems really obvious to set it creatively in the 60s, but actually working your way towards that would have been quite difficult, I think, because it's not very often that going backwards in time, unless you're creating a, a real heritage brand, going it's not very often that going backwards in time works. It's very difficult to make the past call. Oh, I don't know. Really? Um, I mean, isn't the idea of, you know, the epitome of cool is well, being, anything. Whiskey, is being whiskey, in, in, it's like... in front of whatever is trending, right? Well, yeah, but there's again, that's why these brand pillars are really important. You can't be in front of something if you're going to be authentic. I mean, you can, sort of. You can't be you can be original, I suppose. But you can't have tradition and, and substance and be new, right? So, obviously, things like whiskey ads, you talk about having a heritage. Um, if you're an airline ad, you want to say you're tech, you know, technologically advanced because nobody wants to fly an old plane. But if you went back like Coca-Cola would, right? They invented Santa Claus, basically, right? The big, the, <laughs> yes. well, they did, right? Yeah. So um, they went back, you know, and, and pulled on that sort of warm feeling and the, and the heritage and whatever. They don't sell their bottling plants and the, you know, the saccharine they use in there. So it's about having that. They own it. So it's the same way Levi's own jeans. Uh, so okay, give us a figure for the creative then. Um, the creative, yes. Yeah, so I was going to say black and white. If you saw it in raw text, you go, guy walks in laundry, text, you go, you know. Um, but it's got to be four point nine because yeah, without that, it's nothing, is it? Without that, nothing, darling. Well, that's an, a, an easy add up. Um, no, no, that's, that's pretty easy. A five for five and two four point nines gives us nineteen point eight. Is that the highest? Because it should be. It feels like it should be. It's very close. Um, we might need to massage those figures back at the office because this really should be at the top. Really, I think it should be. I, even though I love Flat Eric, yeah, but this is death, way better than Flat Eric. This is this is a classic. You might not have anyone read you this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's head head and shoulders above. All right, brilliant. So um, that was fantastic. Really, really enjoyed took that. Took him to the cleaners. I don't think we would have done that ad if Nick, Nick Cayman hadn't died. No. So that's our little tribute to Nick Cayman. Yeah, he did a grand job. He did. Good on you, Nick. That was pretty much his career, by the way, after that. He well, yeah, he did. Absolutely but he had nothing. that song, didn't he? He had the one top ten song that Madonna wrote for him. Apparently, Madonna had a bit of a crush, made yeah. a bit of a pass. But was he, did he, was he, did he, he was appear a, in a sex book? The big yeah. aluminium book? Don't know. All right. Okay, that's fantastic. Good on you. Uh, another classic ad from Simpler Times. Thanks very much, Times. Fingers did. Bing, 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 bing. Fade out. There you have it. Thanks for listening through to the end. I think we can all agree that that's enough fawning over BBH and Sir John, for a little while at least. Just before we go, I'd like to take this opportunity to deliver a short personal message, and the recipient knows who she is. If I do make you breakfast in bed again, at any time in the future, and it's not guaranteed that I will, just a simple thank you will suffice. None of this, how did you get in the house, bullshit. Tara for now. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.